This is Killstreak. Greetings, my friends. Let's we'll go up with a new saying for this series. That's that's a saying. That's yeah, it's a saying. It's a popular <laughs> saying. This is Killstreak, episode eighty-seven. I'm Eric Goslin, joined here as always by Mr. Mike Price. Mike, you just got back from Texas. Boy, are your arms tired? Yeah, because uh, I did a lot of uh, kayaking while I was there. <laughs> Uh, a big outdoorsman, Mike. Yeah. Is. Actually, we're not really supposed to. I'm, it's probably fine. I haven't really told anybody I go to school with that uh, about the podcast. Technically, I'm not allowed to leave the state. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. I'm like, am I blown out now? What's going on with my fucking mic lately? Oh, boy. I'm going to turn this oh, that's way up. Way. <laughs> you turn I'm going to turn this way up. <laughs> that seems better. Just rock me right off the <laughs> off the track. Um, but anyways, yeah. Hey, I'm good. Uh, we're out of Halloween season. It's November 1st today. I know. I feel empty now. It's weird to think that we're just gonna, I find it comforting that it's like, well, we're just gonna keep watching horror movies. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it never really stops for us. Yeah. Um, I did watch some more over the last, like, although like you were traveling during Halloween, you didn't really get to. I well so down and I was watch. stuck in a hotel room for like six hours this weekend, so I did watch a number of chunks of stuff that <laughs> a number of chunks. <laughs> you just get your mind out of the gutter <laughs> uh, of of stuff that was just on cable, which is I haven't watched cable in years. Yeah, and and it's really it is still heartwarming. Like it was a thing where where I was you know flipping around hotel TV on Saturday and Sunday, and it's like well, there were seven channels at any given time that were playing horror movies. Yeah, a lot of uh, unfortunately a lot of Halloween four I saw on <laughs> yeah. like various. I mean, I like that one, but we yeah. just watched that series. Yeah, there were a lot of Halloween movies. Like a lot of the Halloween series yeah. playing, and I, I was like, I can't do this right now. I almost toyed with putting one of them on, but I was like, that's fucking crazy. I did watch twenty minutes of Halloween too. Oh, like really? Eighty-one. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I watched the third Conjuring movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my judgment on these because we were just discussing these are both series we we will cover at some point, and I watched the latest VHS movie. I also watched. Frankenstein, the 1931 Frankenstein. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, you know, we've done Dracula before. I think 1925 is that mm-hmm. that one's from. It's definitely way better than Dracula. Right. There's like camera movement and it looks pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But still, there is something about that old, not silent era. That's not right. That old like post silent era, um horror movie that's just like it's hard to connect with those characters it is they can be boring they can be boring they can be a little boring um but you know i'm glad i watched it though well we i think i said this to you in a text thread and i haven't seen it since i was young young but like 
the word on the street is the Bride of Frankenstein is the good one. Yeah, and that's, that's why I watched the first one. But you haven't watched Bride yet. I haven't watched it. Okay. It's on the Criterion channel, though, so I probably will watch it that way. Cool. So I don't have to pay for it. All right. That sounds well, I mean, good. I pay for it, but you know. Oh, you know what I'm saying. You're going to pay. Oh, you're going to pay. All right. We are covering a series that I've never seen either of these movies. Our first two movie series. Yeah. And it's Alligator from 1980, and then Alligator 2, The Mutation. I don't know what year that's from. I want to say 91. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, 11 years later. Wow. Yeah. Always a sign of quality. <laughs> um, also, direct-to-video, another sign of quality. <laughs> that's fun. Um, yeah, so this is, I mean, I guess I can just say up top, this is this is a classic kind of, I brought this series to the table. This is Yeah, this is a big Mike movie. This is something that I was familiar with, and and you know, spoiler alert: at least before last night, I had a fondness mm-hmm. for Alligator. Uh, and I'll be honest; I remember the second one being pretty bad. Uh, so, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna put my cards on the table right now. Uh, you know, will will any will the needle move at all? That's the big. Well, question. that I mean, historically, those things change for us, so we never know. Like yeah. we we both didn't like the Rob's. Well, I mean, maybe I don't want to speak for you. I did not like the right. Rob Zombie Halloween, and I ended up loving it. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, this first one that we're gonna talk about today, to me, has always just been one of the great curiosities of the horror genre. And if my memory serves me, the first time I ever saw it was on a tiny little v- VCR TV combo. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would say 10 inches, like one of those, you yep. know, the kind that you'd put in like a conversion van or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was in my grandparents' bedroom, uh, where when my, when my family would go to my grandparents' house, sometimes everybody would hang out watching sports downstairs in the living room. And I'd go up to my grandparents' room and stand in front of the TV. Wow. Because it was like on a table. It was like a bedside TV, basically. And I, you know, I, I probably, I don't know, I couldn't have been much older than eight, would just like stand there in front of this TV and watch stuff <laughs> that I knew I wasn't supposed to watch. Occasionally, which included trying to watch the blurred lines of like the Playboy channel and oh, stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. As like a. When it gets really bright, when it flashes to white, that's when it comes in crystal clear. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you could see like a whole ass nipple and oh stuff. for sure yeah it was those were man if only i could get that excited about anything anymore. i know we we got uh eventually we got a descrambler oh wow and that was fucking huge oh god there's What's a giant that? centipede on your wall oh no yeah it's behind the posters now uh, anyways, okay. it'll jump on your head eventually. Is it like a house centip- like a one of those house centipedes? Yeah, you get like those? kind of fatter. Big yeah, yeah, yeah. We get legs. those in our yeah. pipes. Yeah, they're gross as shit. Yeah, maybe well. my least favorite insect. Anyways, keep an eye out, and I'll I'll oh. stop recording, and I'll cool. be dad. Do they I'll... count as insects because they have more than six legs? Oh, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, I think so. They must, right? Yeah. Tell me your descrambler story. Oh Porn- well, Porno City. It lined up almost perfectly for when the Playboy Channel would on. Fridays and Saturday nights went to hardcore, oh, and they boy. would show like full penetration. I didn't know that ever happened. Yeah, it did. It, it was glorious. Holy shit! <laughs> and then so like yeah, I mean this is around the time my parents would have divorced, I guess. So I was like a lot of home time by myself. Yeah, yeah. You get away with some shit. You get away with some shit. They just yeah. trusted me with that shit. I mean, I guess in the same way that we just trust kids with computers nowadays, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's not even trust anymore. I, I don't have kids, but I imagine that all of society is just burying their head in the sand because everyone's yeah. kids can see whatever the fuck they want on the internet. Yeah, unless you got some sort of nanny, like nanny software, yeah. which we haven't done yet. Our son is only six, and he's not looking up anything bad. That you know. I of. mean, we're around him when he does when he is on his iPad, so I would assume so. But he also is very innocent. I think kids are just more innocent these days. Yeah, keep them sheltered. Yeah, they're a little bit more sheltered. Helicopter parenting is more of a thing. Yeah, well, we know that's your style. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Eric's a fine dad. Um, are centipedes insects? No, they are arthropods related to insects. But they're like in the same genus as uh... <laughs> genus. <laughs> what? What? what Sounds you... like penis. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, anyways, yeah. So alligator. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this movie uh, was because I think it is is such. I think I used the word curiosity before. There's so much to talk about just in terms of like this is a very interesting movie to exist in yeah. my opinion. Now, what did you know about it? Nothing other than Nothing. John sales wrote it. Okay. Well, that's one big weird piece of trivia. Yeah. Just right off the bat. Right. So John sales for anybody who doesn't know is sort of like a, a, I would say a famous indie director basically. Yeah. And like the late eighties, Early 90s. Starting in the early 80s. Early 80s. His debut, I remember having to watch in film school, is called Return of the Secaucus 7. I never saw that one. uh, Which is, it's kind of like if The Big Chill was uh, a mumblecore movie. Okay. Um, That's from 1980. That was his directorial debut, I believe. It's like, uh, it's just like a bunch of, Friends from high school come back together in their hometown. Uh, oh yes, yeah. yes, I remember hearing about this one. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it came like three years before the Big Chill, and a lot of people think that they ripped it off. But Lawrence Kasdan says he never saw it. But anyways, it's like it's like the Big Chill, but instead of having like the cool soundtrack and stuff, it's just like pretty straightforward, uh, like interpersonal drama and there's more sex and seriousness and mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's you know it's it's not a super well-known cast with the exception of it's one of the earliest roles for uh david strathairn who oh i like him a lot yeah uh, there's no one who knows who david strathairn is who doesn't like him and actually it is his first film role um oh really yeah yeah i'm looking at his uh imdb uh, John Sales, and I've seen M- Matawan, if that's how you pronounce yeah. it, or Matewan. Yeah, I've seen that one in uh, Lone Star too. It was like big in the '90s. I have seen Lone Star. I'm trying to think if I've seen any of his other. I've seen a bunch of stuff he's written. Um, because he, yeah, I think I've seen Eight Men Out, the uh, Chicago Black Sox movie. Mm. But uh, yeah, he started out as a writer. Uh, he worked for Roger Corman, uh, as many greats did. Um, cross paths with James Cameron. So he wrote Piranha. Okay. Um, and then I think he wrote a movie in 79 called The Lady in Red. And then this was... Oh, I've seen Lady in Red. Which is directed by Louis Teague, who directed Alligator. So they collaborated on two movies in a row. Oh. Um, 
but yeah, this alligator was his third movie. Uh, you know, horror fans will also, he also wrote the howling. I was going to say, yeah, the howling. Yeah. I'm looking at that now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he wrote an early draft of ET. Interestingly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So pretty accomplished writer. Uh, eventually, you know, and, and the thing is he did a lot of like uncredited writing. He, he came in and worked on a lot of stuff. Like he wrote one of the versions of Apollo 13. Okay. Um, like, I don't know if it's the final one, but like, it's not because he doesn't have a credit on it, but it's like, he was a, he was a guy who got brought in a lot. Like, like a script doctor kind of guy. Exactly. Who's not credited, but gets paid a bunch of money to do yes. that. Yeah. And he was doing that. I believe he did that on a number of things before even this movie. Um, but you know, kind of the famous story is that sales took the money that he got to write Piranha and Alligator and use that to, to shoot Return of the Sakaka 7. Oh, cool. And launch his own directing career. So long story short, he's a serious, he's like a serious dramatic writer director. Like he's an indie guy. Like he's very, uh, in, he's got a kind of verite sort of Mm -hmm. vibe, um, especially for genre work. Right. Um, and I mean, the origins of this movie are about as straightforward as they get. I mean, it's, this is the tail end of what was a big surge in the back half of the seventies of jaws knockoffs. Yes. This movie is straight up just a jaws copycat. Yeah. At least that's how it was conceived. Now how it was executed. I think, I think they sort of surprised everybody by, making a movie that was maybe a little bit more interesting than like an orca. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, which I, to, to my mind, that's like the biggest, lamest jaws knockoff. Have you seen orca? I've seen parts of orca, but okay. I've never like sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah. It's just like cold jaws with a killer yeah. whale. It's literally the same fucking movie. Uh, and like less character building and that's right. Of stuff. Yeah. It's just less than in all ways. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, the cast of this movie, weirdly good. <laughs> yeah, I have no no. I don't know how else to put it. Really, it's full of like character actors. In yeah, Robert Forster. Yeah, starring Robert Forster, who Tarantino is on record as saying that he wrote the character Max Cherry and Jackie Brown like inspired by this character. Oh wow. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. So this is the prototype of his role in Jackie Brown. Um and then, you know, so we also have a couple guys, Sidney Lassick, who plays the the pet store owner. Yes. Uh, yeah. From uh One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I know him and love him from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's yeah. Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and then uh any uh Godfather fans, Michael Gazzo plays Forster's boss, the chief. His eyebrows are fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh Frankie Pentangeli, Frankie Five Angels from The Godfather too. Okay. He's the guy who is gonna turn on uh on the Corleone family, and then they like ship his brother out from Italy and just like have him sit there and stare at him in the grand jury hearing. Yes, you know yeah. Yep. But yeah, those eyebrows, man. They're fucking crazy. They might yeah. be the the greatest eyebrows of any actor that I can think of. I just can't. I mean, it must just be his thing. That's like his yeah. calling card. He can't you can't cut him at that point. It reminds me of the. It's it's based on a real guy that also went on to be the subject of a John Mulaney stand up bit. But you know that episode of Mister Show where Bob Odenkirk shakes the crime stick 
He's like, no, oh no, actually I don't. Okay, so it's like, yeah, it's this guy who was on like Chicago, like local access TV, and apparently used to go around to Chicago schools. My old roommate Dan, who's also a listener to the podcast, I think, told me a little bit more about this. He's a Chicago guy. I remember the John Mulaney bit. Yeah, so it's this guy is like throw, like have a fake wallet. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah, yeah. like throw it. Yeah, and then run away. <laughs> That's like the technique for dealing with muggers is you always have an extra wallet and you just throw it on the ground far away from you and then run, (laughs) which I'm like, it could work. I feel like that could work. Yeah. Um, But anyways, that guy, the character, Bob Odenkirk does like a parody of that character uh, where he has like a stick that with a bell on the end and he calls it the crime stick. And he's like, I'm going to shake the crime stick. And he has crazy eyebrows like Michael Gazzo. Anyways, that was a long tangent. For nothing. Um, hey, that's the name of this podcast. Long tangent for nothing. <laughs> Not really. We're very focused. We're like good. one for three. I'm yeah. getting to some kind of point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what else? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the movie, uh, no major studio. It's New World Pictures. Uh, they did a lot of um, cheap uh goofy ass stuff i think this is probably one of the more serious sort of movies that they did mm-hmm. um do you have any uh insight into how they did a lot of the alligator effects oh yeah yeah i do okay cool absolutely cool. i was why I, I wanted to make sure that came up because i was like impressed by how good it looks sometimes yeah uh it sometimes it looks amazing and then sometimes it doesn't look as amazing yeah that's i mean that's par for the course yeah uh new world pictures founded by roger corman by the way oh Um, yeah 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 but um yeah sure why don't we talk about the alligators so there there are essentially two ways that they did alligator stuff in this movie they had um a 30 foot long animatronic alligator um okay yeah Two grown human men inside it working. Oh wow! It. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and I think that sometimes they would take the hat off and they or the hat, the head. <laughs> <laughs> the alligator wears a fedora. Yeah, made of snakeskin. Um, <laughs> uh, and so you know they like fix it to the camera so they have that like sort of alligator POV. Yeah, you know that angle in the movie where yeah. it's like you just see the alligator's snout kind of sticking out into the frame. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite recurring shots in the movie. Um, but then at, at other times they had, uh, a, a live 18 foot alligator that they got from a wrangler in, 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 I think Louisiana or Alabama. Wow. Uh, and they built miniature sets and had, wow. had the alligator, uh, like, yeah. So, if okay. You... That explains a lot because there are some shots where I'm like, that looks so fucking real. Yeah. And it is just a real, it's alligator. a real alligator in miniatures. That's yeah. great. Which is like. I, if I was going to make this movie today, that's pretty much all I would do, I think. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, sometimes it looks a little goofier. I, the shot that always sticks out to me is not really working with the miniatures. It's when it, the alligator comes out of the, out of the ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it looks like a Mr. Rogers set. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, that the, scene's crazy. We'll get to it. Yeah, then. and the problem is, like, you lose the scale because it's like, that's an 18-foot-long alligator. It's a big fucking alligator. But it looks like it could be four feet long. Yeah. Because yeah. the miniature looks so fake. It's just like, I don't know, I guess. Yeah, whatever. Um, so that's how they did most of it. Similarly to Jaws, also, the alligator, which they refer to as Ramon, as it is known in the film, mm. um, 
one of the people who was a special effects assistant on this movie in one of his very first roles in Hollywood ever, Brian Cranston. Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. Right? I didn't know that he did behind-the-scenes stuff. He did. I don't know anything else about it. That's yeah. just... It's a hot piece of trivia. Do you know... Uh, I mean. Do you know where it was shot? It looked like a lot in L.A. It is L.A. It's all yeah. L.A. Uh, and they're, it, it's funny because they're always sort of unclear about where it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, I thought it was like Chicago. There's discussions of Chicago, but then also, um, what's her name? Is it Marissa? Is that the name of the... Oh, I'm not sure. I want to say, yeah, Marissa, Robin Riker's character, which we'll talk about Robin Riker in a oh, second. Beautiful. Oh, you, you blew it. You Sorry. Spoiled you spoiled it. Spoiled it. <laughs> Shocker, the two pervs uh, on the... She might be ugly. You don't know what we're going to say. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but then it's, like, her character's supposed to be from, like, Missouri, and it's, like, that's what happens at the beginning of the movie, and it's, like, it's funny, I've seen this movie so many times, and I swear to you, to, like, this time was the first time that I was, like, oh, she is the girl from the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah, it took me a second, too. Yeah, because they really underplay it. (laughs) Do you want to, do you have any interest in reading that IMDb trivia? (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> so fucking good. Price sent me um, a message today. It's like, this has to be, this is like transcendent IMDb trivia. Yeah. So there's this thing on IMDb trivia, for those of you who don't know, where people can just kind of write whatever they want. Uh, and sometimes they can turn into reaches. Yeah. They can try really hard to make something a quote unquote trivia fact. <laughs> Let's see if I can find this one here. Uh, if you can, I can pull it up. No, I got, I got it. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna read it from the text message. Uh, okay, so I feel like I could do a dissertation just on this piece of trivia. <laughs> uh, all right, here it is: the little girl from the beginning of the movie, billed as young Marissa and played by Leslie Brown, is a herpetologist and Robert Forster's love interest, Marissa, as a child. Okay, okay. that's like. Trivia for somebody who's not really paying attention. But yeah. we're all, that's just the beginning. Hold on. Her, hep, her, her excuse me, her pet baby alligator, whom she named Ramon, is the giant man-eating alligator as a young gator. Okay. Yes. You're, you're just yeah. kind of getting into recap mode. Yes, right? we, we understand. <laughs> this author is not done. In an ironic example of the butterfly <laughs> effect theory, if her dad had let her keep the alligator... She and Forster's character would probably never have met. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this guy is just like movie plots exist. <laughs> but also it's like how okay, first of all, the butterfly effect theory. <laughs> I I mean that's obviously the butterfly effect is a thing, but I think the butterfly effect theory is clearly just something that he it's that's his that's this guy's thing. Yeah, yeah. It's an ironic example. How is it ironic? ironic Where's the irony? (laughs) I wonder. And then, yeah, just like explaining. (laughs) Then probably never would have Probably. Probably. I can't say for sure. As I am a man (laughs) of science. Maybe at a bar they would have met at some point. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, anyways, um, it's, it's it's a fun. So, that opening sequence um, where she, you know, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because the recap's yet to come. But, but you know, this is a movie that the the script was written by the original version of the script was written by a guy named Frank Ray Perilli before Sales came on and wrote the screenplay. 
And that initial story had it taking place in Milwaukee. Oh, your hometown. My hometown. And supposedly the alligator had grown to such enormous size because it was consuming so much beer in the sewers. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Which apparently sales immediately got rid of. And I was like, listen, I appreciate your verisimilitude, but that would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been great. This is drunken fat alligator. Yeah, he only inflicts violence on members of his alligator family. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, it's shot in Los Angeles. I think uh, very clearly MacArthur Park. Yeah, and Echo Park too. And, yeah, yeah, and Echo Park, and then um, yeah, but then they like make it out to the countryside sometimes. It's, you know, you know, it feels it feels kind of like it could be anywhere. It does, yeah, except for the things I just know, right. Yeah, Living until here. I moved here, I never would have oh, no, no, noticed no. for a second. No. Yeah, um, but yeah, so let's talk about the rest of that cast. So you've got Robert Forster, who we mentioned up top. Just, I mean, a Hollywood royalty passed away a couple of years ago, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, a lot of people from this generation know him as Max Cherry from from Jackie Brown mm-hmm. and Tarantino's. That's his third movie, right? Um, yeah, uh, four. Yeah. Reservoir, Pulp Fiction, and then, yeah, Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was a big-time, uh, you know, 70s guy. And, I mean, you know, he started his career, I want to say, maybe in the 60s. But, uh, you know, he was one of those guys that, like, Tarantino, like he likes to do. Uh, it was, oh, this guy was great in, like, all this sort of B-movie grindhouse mm-hmm. exploitation type of stuff. And he's like, well, let's resuscitate this career. Let's bring him back. And it really worked. I mean, and- he... He had been really quiet, honestly, up until Jackie Brown. And yeah. Then, then, like, Vince Gilligan used him in Breaking Bad. and, and Yeah. Uh, yeah, he the, had a whole sort of... Uh, was it El Camino with the the Breaking Bad movie? I can't remember what it's called. Is he in El Camino? I've still yeah. never seen it. Is it's cool. It worth, it's it's actually good. Yeah, it's good. I just... I feel like I have to rewatch the last season of Breaking Bad to watch it. And that yeah. seems like an undertaking. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's neither here nor there. Something we've been meaning to do, actually, is rewatch Breaking yeah. Bad. But we're doing The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, isn't it everybody? Are you getting yeah. ready for Many Saints of Newark? Is that the <laughs> man? We're not geared up. We were excited about that. <laughs> now it's like it's dipped from. I guess we'll watch it when we're done rewatching the series. Yeah, man. Not a lot of people have with positive things no, to say about it. No, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Other actors. Henry Silva is the guy who plays sort of the great white hunter character. I love that Brock. guy. Yeah. He's awesome. He's in a bunch of random shit. I think he's most famous to most people from the Manchurian Candidate. Mm-hmm. But like, I reckon, I re- remember him. I reckon, I reckon, <laughs> uh, I remember him from Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai. It was like one of the last things he ever did. Oh wow, um, I, I've seen that movie. I don't remember him in it. Yeah, that's a good. That's an interesting Jarmish movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he pops up and stuff. He's in Dick Tracy, one of the guys under a bunch of makeup. Sure. Uh, he's in Above the Law. Oh, uh, yeah. He did a bunch of shitty action movies. He's in Code of Silence. Oh, yeah. The the Chuck Norris movie. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, la- well, so I was going to do Robin Riker last but not least, but I should say, I fucked up today. I made a huge mistake because I had this whole thing planned. I'm going to push it to next week. It'll be fine, but it won't be a surprise. Okay. One of the people in the cast, a fairly sizable role for a large cast, Officer Kelly, the 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 rookie 
that yeah. goes down mm-hmm. into the sewers with with Forster and gets eaten is my directing teacher, Perry Lang. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> but we haven't talked about it at all. And I had class with him today, and I even wrote down a little post-it. I'm like, tell Perry you watched Alligator last night and ask him about it. Wow. Because he has no qualms about telling stories. So I don't know if we I mentioned him previously on the podcast. I know I told you. but So his wife is Sage Parker from yeah. Robocop, who is Mary Louise Parker's yes. sister. Yeah. Right? The, the very attractive woman with the, with the glasses, glasses. Yeah. right? And he is this blonde cop in this movie, and I was going to be like, hey, Perry, I'm doing a podcast today about alligators. Oh, shit. That's awesome. I forgot to talk to him, so I have class with him next Monday. Okay. Uh, oh, shit, but we're going to record We're recording, Sunday. yeah. <laughs> you fucked up. I fucked up big time. Maybe I'll send him an email tomorrow. Okay. And I'll see what he has to say about his experience with Louis Teague and Robert Forster because he pinches Forster's ass at one point. He does, yeah. He yeah. Gr- grabs a whole handful. Yeah, but then, as I was gonna say, last but not least, the stunning Robin Riker. She's beautiful. She. This is her. This is her feature film debut, which is funny because it's like, I mean, she's certainly young. She's certainly younger than Forster, but she doesn't seem like, you know, a baby. Right? No, no, yeah. no. She. She's, she's, a, she's like, like a, a woman. Like a grown woman. A woman like to a, me. She's like all woman to me. Woman ass woman. Yeah. Woman. <laughs> I mean, <You> girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> I woman. Mean woman. You're already You'll a woman. stay a woman soon. <laughs> Young girl. What's that? <laughs> the one in the Gary Puckett and the Union Gap? <laughs> You're much oh, yeah, too yeah, yeah. young, mm-hmm. girl. That's a creepy song. Jesus, there's so many songs about fucking underage girls. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, men are creeps. Yeah. Uh, why can't just one woman be a creep every once in a while? You know? Yeah, come on, Take some guys. of the heat off of us here. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. Uh, Robin Riker, you know, she had an interesting sort of career. She did a lot of TV stuff. Uh, but I would maybe go so far as to say that outside of some late era uh, soap opera work, like this was kind of the biggest thing she did. Yeah, it's she's good in it. She, I'm I think she's really good. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but she is smoking. Yeah, <laughs> I see that she did a Buffy. She or maybe she's a. Yep. I, don't, I don't know. The if she show, did yeah, a couple episodes or one episode. I'm not okay, sure. Maybe she worked at the school or something. Because by that she point, played a I witch. Think, Ah, okay. I don't think I saw the episode that she's in. I mean, I have watched the whole series at least twice, so I've definitely seen it, but I don't remember it. Um, yeah, I was a big Buffy head back in the day. Yeah, I like it. I I was watching um the whole series, and I petered out somewhere around season three or four. I don't remember which. It was four because season three is pretty good. Yeah, season three is the last good season, and then. Although there are good parts of almost all the oh sure seasons, yeah except yeah. for six and. Seven, seven. The last season isn't very good. Anyways, yeah. uh, let me. Get, I don't. We don't need to get into this now. We will cover this uh, in February when we watch all of Buffy all the of Buffy <laughs> every one episode per per week per week. Oh my god! No, no, we don't want to make you guys wait that long. So we're gonna do one a day. <laughs> oh god, one a Ugh. day for half a year. <laughs> oh my god, it's making me itch. That would be pretty incredible, though, right? Yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, though? Um, do you have any questions? Anything you want to know about Alligator? I've been talking so much. we got to get you back on the mic. Oh, I've been uh, blabbing away this whole time. Yeah, I just sure. have, I just uh, like, uh, no, I don't think I have any questions. Okay. Although, well, I'll save it. I'll save it. 
a little uh, connection with the director. I have, I have you and Teague. Yeah, Teague. Well, he went on to direct Cujo. That's true. Yeah, we didn't really talk about Louis Teague at all. Do you want no. to talk about Louis Teague? I mean, I don't have much else other than he went on to direct Cujo. <laughs> yeah, he he. Um, uh, amongst some other things, he did he did uh, Jewel of the Nile. Oh the yeah, yeah, the sequel to, to sequence, the sequel to Romancing the Stone. Yep. Um, I want to say he did one other pretty notable movie, and now I'm going to look it up instead of having done my job. Thoroughly, do your oh, cat's eye. Job. Oh yeah, cat's eye. Yeah, yeah, another cat's Stephen eye. King, which I watched uh, a couple months ago because it was mistakenly rented out to me. That's right, Video Tech. Um, that's the only one of the four movies that they gave me that I watched because they were pretty bad. Yeah, an underworld, a late era underworld sequel. They accidentally gave you that, or yeah. you rented it? No, I like went and I tried to rent six movies. And I kind of was just wasn't paying attention, and they gave me ten movies. Oh, right, 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 right. And then I got home, and I was like, what the fuck? It's like <laughs> Underworld. There was like, a, there was some, some like, you know, really shitty, like, oscar Beatty drama, but like a failed one. And uh-huh. Some other just bad stuff. And I brought him back early, like two days later, and I just told the guys, like, listen, some lady was working she seemed very nice but she gave me four movies that i didn't mean to rent <laughs> and he looked at him he's like oh man she didn't even give you good ones and i was like yeah man these movies fucking suck and he's like no problem we'll give you credit for them uh so i got you know store credit for That's four cool. more rentals so but i did watch cat's eye like all anthologies it's half decent and half bad so, yeah. yeah yeah um okay cool all right, let's take a quick break and then uh, we'll recap and talk about what we think about this movie. Alligator. It lives 50 feet beneath the streets. It's 36 feet long. It weighs over 2,000 pounds. And it's about to break out. You're looking at the one who saw it. And it was big. You said it was dark. Now, perhaps you were mistaken. An alligator half that size would starve in a week. No! Coming up with some garbage about alligators in the sewers. Alligators in the sewers? Once it escaped, there was no way to stop it. No! No! The safety of the public is my job! It could be anywhere. There he is. Ready to attack at any moment. Now I've seen what this animal can do. You'd better take all the help you can get. Keep coming. 
at first. No one believed it. Now, no one will forget it. Alligator. In 1968, a teenage girl purchases a baby American alligator while on vacation with her family at a tourist trap in Florida. After the family returns home to Chicago, the girl's surly animal-phobic father promptly flushes the alligator, whom the girl had named Ramon, down the family's toilet and into the city's sewers. Twelve years later in 1980, the alligator survives by feeding on covertly discarded pet carcasses. <laughs> These animals have been used as test subjects for an experimental growth formula intended to increase agricultural live meat production, livestock meat production. However, the project was abandoned because the formula unintentionally massively increased the animal's metabolism, causing it to develop an insatiable appetite. During the years, the baby alligator accumulated concentrated amounts of this formula from feeding on those carcasses, causing it to mutate, growing into a 36-foot, 11-meters monster resembling, resembling the ooh, Dinosuchus Parasaurus hybrid. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> Where did you get this from? I don't know. Is this from Wikipedia? Yeah. Wow. As well as having an almost impenetrable hide. The alligator begins ambushing and devouring sewer workers as it, uh, it encounters in the sewer and oh, okay. resulting flow in the resulting flow of body parts draws in world-weary police officer David Madison, played by Robert Forrester. I've never read a recap quite like this where they give you all the backstory you learn throughout the movie yeah, right away. at the beginning and then proceed with the plot. Yeah. Who, after a horribly botched case in St. Louis, has gained a reputation for being lethally unlucky for his assigned partners. As David works on his new case, his boss, Chief Clark, introduces him to reptiles expert Marissa Kendall. The woman who, as a teenager, bought the alligator years earlier, unaware that this alligator is her former pet. The two of them edge into a prickly romantic Ooh, relationship. Edging, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and during a visit to Marissa's house, David bonds with her motor mouth mother. David's reputation as a partner killer <laughs> is confirmed when the alligator snags a young cop, Kelly, who accompanies uh, David into the sewer searching for clues. No one believes David's story due to a lack of body and partly because of Slade, the influential local tycoon who sponsored the illegal growth experiments and therefore wants the truth concealed. This changes when obnoxious tabloid reporter Thomas Kent, one of the banes of David's existence, goes snooping in the sewers and supplies graphic and indisputable photographic evidence of the beast while sacrificing his own life. I would say he doesn't really sacrifice his yeah, own life. Yeah, no, he just dies. <laughs> The story quickly garners public attention in a citywide hunt for the monsters called for. After the police unsuccessfully attempt to flush out the alligator, David is put on suspension. The alligator escapes from the sewers and comes to the surface, first killing a police officer and later a young boy who, during a party, is tossed into a swimming pool in which the alligator is residing. The ensuing hunt continues, including the hiring of a pompous big-game buck uh, Buck Hunter. <laughs> I played Big Buck Hunter yesterday. Oh, really? One of my favorites. Big game hunter Colonel Brock to track the animal. 
Once again, the effort fails. Brock is killed, the police trip over each other confusedly, and the alligator goes on a rampage through a high-society wedding party hosted at Slade's mansion. Among its victims are Slade himself, the mayor, and Slade's chief scientist for the hormone experiments and intended son-in-law. Marissa and David finally lured the alligator into the sewers before setting off explosives on the alligator, killing it. I would say in the alligator. I don't know. Yeah. As David and Marissa walk away from the explosion, a drain in the sewer spits out another baby alligator that is unseen by anyone, thus potentially repeating the cycle all over again. All right. All right. Eric, you had never seen this movie before. Yeah. I want to hear everything you have to say about it. Blood all right. Blood and guts check. Lay it on me. Blood and guts check. This movie's a blast. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, I had... I had uh, a ton of fun all throughout. It never really drags. It's only like an hour and 27 minutes yeah, long. It's quickly. It's quick, especially the opening sequence moves really quickly. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it didn't cover in the recap, but during uh, Marissa's vacation to an alligator like farm or whatever the fuck. Right. There's like a show where yeah, they're wrestling gonna, alligators and yeah. shit. Yeah. And a guy gets his like leg bitten by one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think within two minutes, it's like, guy gets his leg bitten. They leave the thing. She gets a pet alligator. Yeah. It gets flushed down the toilet by her dad. It's like, boom, 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 It's boom. really fast. Yeah. The movie's funny without like without having jokes exactly. But right. But it's like kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's not... It's not it's tongue-in-cheek isn't exactly right. It's not like... It's taking itself seriously. Right, but there are jokes in it. It's yeah. like... It's funny the way like a Cohen brothers like a Cohen brothers drama would be funny. Sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But maybe not as good as the Cohen brothers. Sure, yeah. I mean the cast is great. Robert Forrester is is really good in it. So charming. So charming. He's like handsome. I love that they always give him shit about his like receding hairline. Apparently he added all of those lines. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Sale, like sales wrote them back into the script after he was like improvising stuff. Like he wrote lines for the other characters to riff off of Forrester constantly referring to his own receding hairline. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of I'm kind of rambling here, but I really had a good time watching it. That's great. I'm I'm very glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I mean, this is one that I enjoyed so much as a kid. And then I was like, I, is it still good? Like, I remember it being pretty good. And I watched it a few years ago. And so there wasn't going to be too much of a surprise here. Because, like, I've seen it somewhat recently. Mm-hmm. But it's the kind of movie that I, like, keep wanting to watch again. Because I'm like, it's like a... It's, it's a it, ha, it weirdly is just better than you would expect it to be. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's better than you expect. It's, it is, like, you know... On its on the surface, it is a Jaws ripoff, right? But it's not like it doesn't crib what you think it would from Jaws, yeah. Which is like the Quint character in in you know, right. There's bro- a little bit of that with like the the, the big game hunter, the big game hunter. But he's like but so ridiculous. Yeah, that he's not, barely in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's no like you know what's the boat the Indianapolis right there's no like big speech like mm-hmm. that although I guess you know now I'm saying it out loud maybe like the death of his partners sort of that but it doesn't sure. relate one to one with like yeah. sharks and alligators um and it's just, there's just a lot of like specificity in the settings and the dialogue that's like makes it feel like lived in and in I think yeah I think you really hit the nail on the head there that's that's now especially as an adult that's the thing that I appreciate the most about this movie is that 
there is like it makes perfect sense when you realize like where John Sales went with his career after this. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, this is it's literally like somebody sat down to make a genre B movie creature feature, but then they by chance or on purpose brought in a writer who like does fucking like like it, you know, it'd be like a mumblecore movie or something. Like I already made this joke once, I think, today about mumblecore. But, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's that's what it is. Is it's like, oh yeah, it's like character. It's like someone who writes like mm-hmm. very realistic character drama. Yeah, that's like we want you to do the dialogue for this creature movie. Yeah. And, and in that way, it's very seventies, where it's like yeah. a lot of like craggy faced um, character actors who feel mm-hmm. like real people yeah. and you're like living with them. Well, I mean, I think Sidney Lassick, the guy who talked about uh, the pet shop owner yeah. is a perfect example of that where he gets like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. I thought, I thought he'd be in way more of it. Yeah. But it's like, he gets all this time to just like set up his weird character yep. and his mannerisms. And he's got a little backstory that intertwines with the larger plot. And he gets like some scenes of his own. And it's the kind of thing where I think in, in another movie or, you know, in a in a bigger budget, like more down the middle creature movie, you know, it would be it'd be like in a Michael Bay movie where it's like we get twenty seconds of this guy like being a crazy character, and then all of a sudden he gets hit by a fucking asteroid or whatever. Yeah. You know? Oh, we didn't even mention that that character. I don't think it covered in the yeah. recap. That character we meet at the beginning because Robert Forrester buys a puppy. He's or he getting a new a puppy? puppy because his old puppy was stolen. That's right. And it's sort of implied that his puppy was probably stolen by the experiments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we kind of follow him to the like vets, not vet, like the scientists. Science, science lab. lab yeah the slade slade pharmaceuticals yeah. or whatever right and he's like dumping the carcasses and mm-hmm. like giving supplying them with dogs to yeah. like experiment on and also dumping the carcasses in in the sewers where the alligator feeds mm-hmm. and he's eventually killed by the alligator but in that time that he's on screen like the actor himself is so like distinct looking and has a distinct way of speaking right but he has like that brightly colored like aloha shirt that they yep. pull out of the water <laughs> and you immediately know like that's robert forrester's like oh fuck i know i know who that yeah. is yeah uh it's there's just a lot of like lived in characters like that that are really fun and it just seems like everybody was having a good time it does yeah like i especially felt that when um the big game hunter i can't remember his name mm-hmm. comes on Rock, screen it's like name? this must be a blast to play this guy <laughs> yeah uh no absolutely and you know there are some there's i like that there's a little extra layer of something to the plot of this movie without they really don't hit it too hard it's like just enough of the like capitalist pharmaceutical like that the alligator essentially comes and like fucks up you know the upper class party yes. and, yeah yeah and everybody gets their come up and <laughs> that seems fucking rules too. yes that's like that's full out alligator carnage of yeah. like guests being like eaten alive and- what i would compare it to i mean this is a big jump ahead in special effects but i feel like a similar vibe if anybody's familiar with uh bong joon ho's movie the host Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the first time that creature shows up just in the park, basically, and starts fucking everything up. Yeah. It's great. It's daylight. It's broad daylight. Yeah, kids are dying. Oh, well, so let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you had never seen what is infamous, the pool scene. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Nightmares for 
thousands of children throughout the 80s and 90s i bet yeah i mean it's terrible you're so used to seeing kids not dying in horror movies and especially if they were to die it'd be like off screen i mean they don't see the kid like die die but you see like blood in the water you see like the jaws close around him and yeah blood in the water (laughs) i was laughing really hard but (laughs) (laughs) but isn't it like it's also shocking it's yeah yeah totally they killed the kid they and had the alligator the kid eat a fall, little kid. Like, you expect him, he, fall, he falls in the pool, and you expect someone to, like, fish him out at the last second, right. and then maybe that person falls in and dies? Yeah. Or it's like, <laughs> there's a whole morality play thing happening where the other kids are bullying him and making him walk the plank. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. think he's gonna, like, stand back at the last yeah, second, and, and then... maybe one of the bullies <laughs> falls in, and at least an older bully kid gets eaten, but it's like... No, these two bully kids sacrifice this little kid to a fucking alligator, and he dies. Um, I also like the cart. Like we talked about it before, when the alligator bursts out of the road, uh-huh. out of like the sewers, and he's in the street. Yeah, that's a fucking wild scene. It's like there's kids playing. A cop suddenly, just very quickly, <laughs> crashes into another car when they immediately explode. explodes, yeah. and then the cop gets eaten by the alligator. <laughs> whoa what the hell is happening here (laughs) yeah um it just has like a kind of it's just the tiniest bit unhinged in a way that i find very satisfying um but yeah like there's just like there's like i was i sort of got sidetracked but it's like i do like that this movie has just the subtlest commentary on like american class system socioeconomic stuff uh, and yeah, again, it's like the evergreen villain that you can always return to. And again, it's like the host. I mean, it is, I'm almost wondering if it's like, Bong, did Bong Joon-ho like love this movie? Maybe. Yeah. Because that's also, this how that thing comes about in the host is like a pharmaceutical company. It's like a guy dumping a bunch of chemicals down the drain. Yeah. 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 I'm onto something here. Maybe. Or maybe he said it in like four interviews. <laughs> was, yeah. Oh yeah, I loved the oh. al- I loved alligator. It was a big. Mike influence. really cracked the code here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what else. What else jumped out at you? I, I have a couple more things, but I, I I'm just curious if you had other other thoughts you wanted to share. Um, let me think. The uh, I like all the stuff in the sewer. I was thinking a lot about sewer stuff, mm-hmm. sewer movies. <laughs> sure. Was just, oh, because I was watching VHS nineteen ninety VHS ninety four. Okay. And there's a one of this one of the stories takes place in the sewers. And it's like that must be very miserable to shoot in. Yeah. But also I've been sure it's a set. Yeah, it's I got the impression this sewer. was definitely a set. Yeah. Yeah. Um because they keep coming back to the exact same like, like juncture. Like, yeah, yeah, literally the same like shopping cart turned on its side we see in like four different scenes. Right. Um I'm trying to think of other other observations. I love the big game hunter. I already said mm. that. He's like, there's a really fun moment where he's being interviewed by the news. Yeah, he's hitting on the news lady. He's hitting on the news lady. And he's like, are we live? He's like, yeah, I think so. He's like, you're very pretty. <laughs> like, he wanted that to be on camera. <laughs> yeah. He's a sleazeball. That's for sure. I want to I want to call out. I remember the very first time I saw this. Couldn't have even been 10 years old. And the scene where uh, Forster's character, which I never remember because he's always just Robert Forster. Madison. Madison. Where Madison sets his hook in Marissa. Yeah. I love that exchange. 
Yeah. And, and it's like, I remember being nine years old and being like, this guy is smooth as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this do you remember like the the interaction that they have? A li- yeah, I mean, a little bit. Remind me. He like he basically like they're going on a date, and he gets to her house, and he just yes. launches right into. He's like, listen. his house, yeah. He's like, yeah, they're at his house, and he's like, listen, I get very nervous, uh, you know, That's things right. like yes, this. Yes. And he's like, we're gonna go to dinner, and I'm gonna spend the whole dinner wondering if you're gonna come home with me and spend the night. And I'm not going to enjoy it. And I'm going to get an upset stomach and all this. Is so let's just get like, I really want to just get this out of the way. <laughs> it's like, you know, are you, you know, do, do you want to sleep with me? Are you going to spend the night? Yeah. And then she just like plants a, a big one on him. And he's like, so can I take that as an emphatic yes? yes? And she's like, yes, you can. And I was like, that's how it's you do cool. it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that he immediately pisses her off at the, at the restaurant, though. That felt, no. very, that felt like, you know, just movie plot it was a little overwritten yeah Yeah. i don't totally i'm trying and and, you know even now i'm racking my brain to think was there some plot driven reason they had to separate them i can't remember either yeah because he makes it up right away right away like because he goes to his mom her mom's house and uh yeah but it's a school night yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it does provide them the opportunity for him to have that great moment when she brings him back in her bedroom and he's like listen I'm a pain in the ass. Like yeah, 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 he's yeah, like, yeah. you had to know that going into this. That it's like, you know, nothing, nothing good, nothing worth having is easy. <laughs> your uh, your professor is good in it too. I think he's very enjoyable. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he uh, is Officer Kelly, who it's an interesting dynamic too because it's it's basically like the power play isn't what you would expect because usually you'd think, okay, here's this grizzled old veteran and here's this like hot shit rookie mm-hmm. and yes the rookie does get eaten by an alligator yeah but it's like the power dynamics a little off because nobody wants to go with forster and he's sort of everyone thinks he's cursed right and, and he is i guess yeah he <laughs> is and kelly perry's character is like very bold you know he's not playing like a sort of deferential rookie he's like fucking with him and stuff yeah, yeah. you know yeah and he's like no i liked you i decided to come with you you seem you seem like a good guy you know, there was a that why it's wild. The guy who like pretend he's going to blow up the police station. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's a wild little scene. Yeah. So there's a scene with a fake suicide bomber. Yeah. Who just comes he's just kind of like a, a you know mentally disturbed man who's like saying that the radio is telling him to do this. Right. Uh, and that he's the one killing the people in the in the sewers. Um, and then that later factors in because Forrester takes his like improvised his, his improvised bomb yeah yeah and uses it to blow up the alligator also another really stressful scene cuz he's in the, he's in the sewers they plant the bomb on the alligator then he has to get out of there before it blows right. and then an old lady drives on top of the manhole cover That's so he right, can't yeah. get out yeah. and he's like screaming but she can't hear him and then uh, what's her face? Marissa. Marissa is yelling at her. You gotta move your car. And this like it's so frustrating. Even though I was like, I'm, he's not gonna die, obviously. Right, but right. I was pretty stressed out during that scene. Yeah, yeah, it's good, and I like that. that there's a point at which she's just screaming at the woman. Yeah, she's yeah, like, she move your the- fucking car, lady. <laughs> like, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, uh, I, I there are there are a handful of things. I mean, we should talk about. The effects are fun. Yeah. There are times when they're terrible. 
Like, yeah, I mean, not I'll, too I'll many. I'll say though that I didn't have a lot of times where I was like, "Ooh, that looks bad." I was, yeah, it was more of like that looks cool more than yeah. Than bad. When it looks bad, it looks a little goofy. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, Christ, I mean, we're beating a dead horse for the fortieth time here, but. There's no bad practical uh-huh. alligator effect in this that looks half as bad as just like low yeah. quality CGI from exactly. 2010. I, yeah. I haven't seen Lake Placid in a long time. I I imagine it looks yeah. worse than this movie. Yeah, I watched, I think the, the best comp I can come up with uh, off the top of my head is I think last year Ken and I watched Anaconda. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because it's like half practical and half CGI. And it's like something just very loud hit the ground upstairs. Yeah, probably my wife. And she passed out. Hopefully, she finally finished that <laughs> bottle. <laughs> um, all the practical effects look awesome, and all of the CGI effects look like absolute dog shit. Yes, they're, they're awful. Yeah, and it's just you know it's one of those things where I, I know, and the problem is, you know, it bums me out so much because if it was just a taste thing, I'd be like, people are going to come around. But the thing is, people are already coming around. People understand now that that a lot of practical stuff looks better. But it's so much cheaper. It's cheaper and faster. Yeah. yeah and it's just like, you. The only, it's, it's the same thing as like, we talked about this with like shooting on real celluloid. Um Mm. Where it's just like the only way that it can happen now is an indulgence from a filmmaker who has so much clout and studio money behind them yeah. that they can get away with spending exorbitant, exorbitant amounts of money on And stuff. that was my main complaint with Malignant was mm-hmm. that like CG blood. Yeah. And then my assistant director friend, well, he didn't correct me, but he's <laughs> pointed out to me that, well, it's just so much yeah. faster. You don't have to clean up. Right. Um, it also sort of ties in, you know, this is a very dark thing, but I've been thinking about it a lot with the recent the shooting on the set of Rust. Sure. We've been talking about it a lot at school, as you might imagine. Oh, I ima- yeah. oh yes. Because you have like a set safety yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. I, we've talked about it with, you know, because we, we were already talking about gun rules and armors earlier this semester. Mm. I mean, so this is not new stuff for us. Really, really crazy, sad thing that happened obviously yeah. I mean, just stating the obvious but uh it has just made me think like now i don't think we need guns yeah i mean it, like muzzle flare cg muzzle flare mm. and like kickback and stuff whatever i can yeah. get used to seeing it look but, shitty i mean here's the thing i've been thinking about this too and like feel free to steal my idea if you have the wherewithal and the finances i think it, there are versions of something like this that already exist so there are prop guns now that I think just with a light apparatus essentially try to replicate a muzzle flare. Sure. But it's like, it's it's completely within the realm of plausibility that we could build a prop gun that just did, fires no projectiles, does not work like a real gun, but has mechanics in it to create a kickback. It's kick, a kick, yeah. And it could make a little bit of a... Like in the same way, and then like they could sweeten it up in CG. Yeah, exactly, and it could make a muzzle flash. Yep. But literally, it's just a flash. Nothing comes out. Yeah, it just looks like a bolt. Like it looks like there's a small explosion in the barrel of the gun. The gun kicks, and it's like that's all you need. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just it. You know, it, I won't say it's that the whole shooting struck close to home because mm. we weren't there, but we know enough people and ourselves included. We work 
in film and TV. Yeah. I mean, I'm not on set often, but I have been in the past. I've made stuff that it's just like that, even in the little dinky things that I've made, mm-hmm. we're very careful with even prop guns and stuff. Yeah. You know, they're toys. They're, they're not real guns. No. And it's just like, I can't, I, it's such a breakdown of protocol that I just don't even, I'm so curious as to what exactly happened. Well, it sounded like they were shooting with, yeah, like they shot guns that I mean, weekend with, yeah. like, I mean, to me, what happened, I think, has come more or less into clarity. There's enough information that's bled out. And, you know, people probably know, I've heard enough about this. But, yeah, in essence, there was no real armor on the set. So the person who was the armor was also doing another job. They also had already had multiple complaints on a previous shoot about essentially making dangerous decisions as a set armorer. And, yeah, they were using real guns. And guns that were supposed to be used as prop guns that were never supposed to be loaded. And anybody who knows anything about shooting on a set is you literally never in a million years would bring a live round of ammunition onto a film set. 500 rounds? I I, I tweeted about that too. Actually, the same AD Mm -hmm. uh, who has shot in New Mexico... is was like, it's just a cultural thing. There are people who are like concealed carry on set. I'm sure. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, there's a big difference between someone who knows guns and someone who is trained as a film armorer, yeah. right? Because gun safety is sketchy enough as it is, and there's a very different protocol for how you handle these things when they're fake, when they're on film, versus when you're actually going out on a shooting range and firing a gun. Yeah. Anyway, that's a big diversion, but it's just something that's been on the top of my mind. And yeah. Then, yeah. I think probably a lot of people who are movie fans and who work in movies. Uh, anyway, back to Alligator. Um, what we were saying, yeah, so... Practical effects. Practical yeah. effects obviously are preferable. And, and at this point, there's no other option. Yeah. And I think that just makes some real good, fun, goofy things. Like when the people are getting swallowed by the alligator. It doesn't look like a real alligator right. eating them, but it looks funny. It looks yeah. cool. I legitimately love every shot that is a actual human inside the giant yeah. alligator jaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like... It's great. Great images. They're just lasting images. And... And I think that, you know, just to, to finish this conversation, like you were just saying, it leads to things, too. When you have to do things practically and when you have to do things on the cheap, like it leads to creative decision making. It leads to interesting choices. And that's how we get a lot of truly unique stuff, I think. And I, I was just thinking about this. Um, it makes people act. Sure. You know yeah, I mean? you have You're something not, to act against. Exactly. Even if it's a shitty alligator head. It's not shitty. It looks fine. Mm-hmm. If it's a fake alligator head, that's way easier to act to than like a guy in a green suit, right, dragging you or something. Yeah, well, like, yeah, like imagine the difference between climbing inside a giant fake alligator jaws and pretending you're being eaten. Yeah. versus you're just on a set on a sound stage. Yeah, with fucking ping pong balls all over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. The state of things. Ah, all right. Well, should we move into our... Uh, yeah, our, but our... first, let's do a quick live read for The Eternals. Marvel's The Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I just, I don't want to pile on the guy, but with that much CGI and you're wearing a fucking outfit the whole time, why... Tell me again why... Uh, <laughs> Camille Nanjiani? Why did Camille have to juice his brains out to know. get so shredded? Kingo, man. it's all He's got to play Kingo. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like you can I know, do- I know. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Um 
And tell me that guy did it naturally. Please. I mean, yeah, it looks like he Say has like HGH face. head. Yeah, he looks. Well, the, I showed you the thing, right? He looks like the bad guy from The Mask with Jim Carrey. I mean, I, I I completely respect anybody wanting to get shredded if that's yeah. what they want to do, but like, I don't think he did it naturally. His jaw this grew so. I would. This HGH makes yeah. your head get bigger. Yeah, I would love someone to try to prove to me that a single male cast member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, they're all juicing. Yeah, got there naturally. Yeah, they're all juicing. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's get into our wrap-ups, which is... Death Count? Death Count? Oh, oh, shit, I didn't get a Death Count. I didn't get track. Okay, wait, vamp for two seconds. Um, You can write to us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. It's early for that. (laughs) Say something interesting. (laughs) Oh, okay, something interesting. So, lately, I've been thinking a lot about the... Uh, <laughs> oh man, he's falling apart here. Oh, sweet Jesus. Okay. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Uh, this is uh, interesting. So I have 14, I have a list of confirmed deaths, but they seem to be in a completely random order. Uh, <laughs> Alright. Yeah, holy shit. Okay, we have 14 confirmed kills. Although, yeah, one of them is the alligator at the end. Oh, okay. So it has his number one, Brock. Is that is that the pet sh- shop guy? No, his name is like Gut, Gut, Gut something. Gut something? Gut. Yeah. I have Brock, Kelly, Ross, Callan. Okay, this is this is a list I cannot use. This is useless. <laughs> well, it's okay. What's your favorite death in the movie? No, no, no. We, we got to do we the kill list. count. This is what we do here. Here's a Facebook. Here, here's a YouTube video. I'm just gonna start it and I'm gonna skip around and I'll tell everybody what I see. Okay. All right. That sounds fun. I'm proud of how we. Oh, podcast. Brock. Brock is the big game hunter. Yeah, that's what I thought, and I was like, this yeah, is totally yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's see if we can do some of this from. Are right, you go? Oh, go ahead. Wait, right. Kane Hodder is Ramon. What? Kane, Kane Hodder must have been one of the stuntmen pu- uh, puppeting wow. uh, the alligator. That's impressive. That's great. Okay. So you help me out with the, you get on the character names and I'll get on the kills. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Luke, so who's the pet shop guy? Luke Gutchel. Luke Gutchel is the first on-screen kill. Uh-huh. We're only counting on-screen kills, right? He gets eaten by the alligator down in the sewer. Then our second kill in the movie is uh, uh, probably the the Kelly. reporter. Is it the reporter? I think it's Kelly. I think oh, it's, it might be Kelly. Yeah. They, then he has the reporter yes. goes down there. It's my cruise. director in the script teacher, Perry Lang, yep. as Kelly, uh, who gets eaten while he's down there with uh, Madison. Then number three. Bart Braverman as Thomas Bart Kemp. Bart Braverman, Thomas Kemp, the reporter who does snap a few photos of the alligator as he's getting eaten. Yes. Very helpful for our, 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 our lead's cause. Uh, number four. Is the aforementioned cop who crashes his car, flips yeah. over right as <laughs> right as the alligator is emerging from the sewer, all the kids playing fucking stickball or whatever. Just an amazing scene. Everything where the alligator is fucking around town is just so goddamn good. Yeah. Um, okay, number five, I'm gonna say is the uh, the little kid who walks the plank, uh, and just <laughs> this shot though, terrifying. I'm looking at it, and again, it's a miniature. Here, look at that. It's because it's like leaves covering the pool, and you see the the yes, diving yeah, boards, yeah, yeah. and there's just a giant alligator's head just below the surface. It's terrifying. 
Anyways, that kid gets eaten by an alligator. That's kill number five, Eric. Oh, we got <laughs> nine more to go? Yeah, just a few. <laughs> uh, then we have Brock, the big game hunter, yeah. uh, who meets his end at the hands of the alligator at the uh, end of a dark alley. And the three guys he hires, they run off, right? They do. They all take <clears throat> off. None of them die. Uh, that's kill number six. Number seven, uh, we have a police boat. Uh, in pursuit. Oh, right. They're, they get thrown off the boat. Yeah, it's a boat full of grenades. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that, oh, that's so fuck. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, a boat full of grenades. They're yeah. gonna, they're throwing grenades at the alligator. Yeah. They, they like, ramp off of the mm-hmm. alligator? Is yes. Uh, yeah, they run into something. It's like the alligator. Here, let's, let's just... I'm just going to play it here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They ramp off the alligator. Uh, one guy gets flipped out of the boat, and then the other three crash with... Uh, yeah. Oh, so there's one, at least one, if not two, left in the boat. Explode in a Explode. grenade explosion, and then another guy gets eaten as he's trying to swim to shore. <laughs> um, then we have, let's see. Then we have the Slade din- uh, Garden Party. Oh, I mean, so many people die. Yeah. In that so one. the maid eats it first, and then we've got the son-in-law. Uh, we've got oh, the maid gets it so bad. She that gets seems- swallowed by the thing. Yeah, right? she does. Uh, then we have the mayor gets eaten trying to get into Slade's uh, limousine. <laughs> the sleazy mayor. And then the alligator uh, eventually uh, destroys the limousine. And uh, he eats Slade as well. Mm-hmm. Does he eat his driver too? I don't remember. People are going to love this, right? They're like, we want Price to do the kill count this way every single <laughs> Just watching a video week. in real time? Yeah. And then finally, we have the alligator himself exploding. So that's a total of 13 on-screen kills, according to Alligator Kill Count from the Dino Croc Kill Counts YouTube wow. uh, uh, account. Thank you, Dino Croc Kill Counts, for helping us out with that. So, Eric, which of those perfectly explained kills was your favorite? Well, I, I, I don't want to steal yours. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. I I have no other option. Yeah, uh, so I'll just say something just for the sake of okay. variety. Um, I love how wild that cop's death is when he crashes, explodes, and then gets eaten. It's, <laughs> it's like a multi-tiered death. Yeah, it's great. That's like very funny. It's uh, a cool scene too. Just like overall, it's like an action scene. Yeah, it is. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honorable mention because it's not really like there's no one death that really rules, but just. The Slade party destruction. Yeah, it's awesome. Is an amazing scene. And it's like if if you're just like, I have no interest in watching Alligator at all, you just throw that on YouTube. You'll yeah, have, yeah, you'll have yeah. a good time just watching that. Yeah. And that'll yeah. let you know if you want to see the rest of it. Yes. But of course, to me, truly, like one of the more noteworthy deaths in a horror movie that I saw growing up has gotta be the little guy. A little pirate walking the plank <laughs> and and disappearing into a plume of blood yeah. in a resi- in a suburban swimming pool. It's really shocking. You know what? Another swimming pool death that freaked me yeah. out was from Leonard Six. I have never seen this. Is that the like, Bill Cosby? Bill movie? Cosby. Somebody lets either a piranha or a barracuda into a swimming pool, oh, and, and a guy gets eaten, and you just see like his watch hit the bottom of the pool, and is like is under uh, man swim trunks. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, a lot of people had, like, got scared swimming because of Jaws. Uh, I was never much scared of swimming in no, the ocean. Same, yeah. But I did legitimately, 
Like when I was younger, I, I would like always check the deep end of the swimming pool before I jumped in because it's like you never know. You never know. No, I also was never like Jaws didn't affect me like that a lot. You hear so many stories of people being mm-hmm. afraid to get in the water. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I kind of grew up on water. Same. Yeah. So it just never really bothered me. Yeah, I'm 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 the only Wisconsin kid who grew up in the ocean, but it's, yeah, it's true. It happened. So, uh, okay, cool moments that didn't age well. I was, I'm really racking my brain. I got it. You got one? Oh yeah. I mean, so to be clear, I, it's, it's satire. So I think it is played deliberately that this is culturally insensitive. I think, yeah, I think I know what you're going to say. But Brock has a whole dialogue where he hires three young black men who live in a sketchy part of downtown. He like buys them beer. Yes. And he literally calls them natives multiple times. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is basically yeah. making this analogy that that it's like him being in the wild in Africa. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he has to hire native guides. Yeah. And I would just say that I, hey, not salute to like the effort I get you're satirizing this like great white hunter archetype, and mm-hmm. it's definitely poking fun at him. But also, it's just like I don't know that John Sales and Louis Teague were like in a place where they were like fully qualified to be writing jokes about hiring natives. Sure, yeah, yeah. I can see that. That that those characters definitely jumped in my mind, but also it also didn't like bother me that sure. much. Yeah. Because I'm racist. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, what do I know? I mean, John Sales did also write Brother from Another Planet. So uh, well, he did. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, he obviously had, uh, you know, he had the inside line on, uh, on some, on, you know, African American relations in the uh, early 1980s more than I did uh, when I was one year old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. So. All right. Well, then that brings us to the John Carpenter fear meter. Okay. Um, this isn't a very scary movie. No. It's I don't. It's its intentions aren't really. To yeah. It. Truly, the that the the pool scene is maybe one of the only really yeah. scary yeah. scenes in the whole movie. I agree. And there's tense scenes. Yeah. It's not like it's it's not without tension, mm-hmm. but it's not like ooh, jump in your seat kind of scares. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably pretty low for me. Like ah. Uh, Four five four point five or that sounds fine. I'm I'm good with four point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Swallowed wrong. And then finally, Mary fuck kill. I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. So this was the first time watching this for me, and as I said, I had a blast. Uh, it just all works, and it's all very fun. Yeah. Um, I never would have sought this movie out. To be completely honest, I never really would have. Yeah. Uh, even if it were to like come across on Shutter or something, I'd probably be like, eh, seems sure. boring. Yeah. I don't really care. Like killer animal movies don't always do it for me anyway. That's not like one of the. I mean, we talked about this. They're usually much worse than. Yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But like, once you throw this on, you're like, there's a lot more going on than I give it, than I was giving mm-hmm. credit for before. Um, yeah. So I had a blast with it. It's it's a it's a it's a merry for me. Fantastic! What a what a smashing success this yeah. has been. Well, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to compare it to the next one. <laughs> I think we'll have a slightly different conversation, but I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in 20 years. I'm right. sure. Um, yeah, Alligator. Uh, you know, it's it's a hidden gem. Uh, and like Eric said, he wouldn't have saw it. I think a lot of people don't think of this movie. Um, it's not available on any streaming services currently. 
It does not exist in an American Blu-ray. I believe there was a German Blu-ray double set of Alligator and Alligator 2 uh, that occasionally you can find on eBay for like $150. Yeah. Um, I'm actually curious if they have this over Videotech in South Pasadena. Oh, i curious. Uh, I should also say, too, if you haven't watched it yet, I mean, it's uh, kind of too late at this point, mm-hmm. uh, but there's... You tried to watch one link, and it looked like shit. The first one that came up when I searched Alligator 1980 movie on uh, YouTube was not a good um, transfer. But then the other one was pretty good. So the one that is Alligator 1980 full movie, that's the first one that comes up. It's from HTF Movies. That's the one to avoid. Yeah. What you want to do is you want to scroll down a few until you find Alligator 1980 uh, by Movie Freak. Movie Freak. We're going to get yeah. all of these guys shut down. For <laughs> but I mean, this is the thing. When a movie's not available somewhere else, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like anybody's really trying to get it taken oh, down. How else are you going to watch it? Yeah. Uh, and then if you're interested, I almost did this until Eric stopped me last night. But there is what appears to be an actual HD transfer of the movie on YouTube. However, it is dubbed in Spanish. And I was going to rip it off of YouTube and then rip the audio from one of the English versions Man. and then put them together and export it and throw it on Vimeo. I mean, um, might still be worth doing at some point. If I'll tell you, I'll say this. I don't know what the number is. If enough people write in and ask me to do it, then I'll do it for you. Okay. But uh, I'm not just going to do it out of the goodness of I mean, I'll do it out of the goodness of my heart, but not, not on spec. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, anyways, Alligator is definitely a Mary for me, uh, you know, for all the reasons Eric mentioned. Because, I mean, truly because the uh, it seems like the relation, like the the experience you had was very much like what my experience has been with this movie. And that makes me really happy to hear. And I hope that more people watch it for the first time because they heard about it here. Uh, and then report back to us and let us know what you think. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our third segment. Okay, we're back. No fade on that. No, just, the thing just cuts right off. Just the hard cut. Yeah. <laughs> In case you didn't guess it, that was the uh, walking the plank scene. Uh, so one thing we didn't talk about at all, but you got a nice little taste of there, is the score from this movie, which is like a, again, similar to the rest of the movie, a successful Jaws ripoff, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Like, they definitely take some big... At the beginning, it's like really on the nose. Like when they're in the in the sewer, but yes, some of the stuff later on, and I I was just saying we were listening to it, and it's like I swear there's like a little submarine like echo location ping in there that's like oh yeah makes you think of water and stuff. 
Um, fun, fun stuff. Yeah, but anyways, uh, yeah, just one more, one more shout out to the movie there. But hey, on to on to more stuff here. Yeah, so we have a third segment planned. Mike, you named it. Yeah, but do oh, you want me to? Oh, I was just. I, you want me to introduce it too? I did name it. I can. Uh, I can, I'll introduce it. Okay. It's my fucking job. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're calling it. They make great pets. Yeah. 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 Inspired, of course, by alligator. A, an alligator um, pet who be, who runs amok. Yeah. Well, one thing that I meant to talk about at the top of the show that I can briefly throw in now. You know, one of the things that makes alligator so fun is it's based on this urban legend that was very pervasive of alligators in the sewers. Well, it turns out the basis was no legend. Really happened. Uh, in the 1920s in New York. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, uh, it's a really, it's a really sad story. It's like a, a bunch of kids, like six kids in New York City, like opened up a manhole cover and a, like a six foot long alligator tried to crawl out, and they lassoed it and pulled it out, and then they beat it to death. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'm like you don't want to send that guy to the zoo, maybe? Yeah. Come on. I mean, yeah. Uh, 20s, I think, were probably not a fair, like a very good time for animals. Used to beat a lot of things to death back then. <laughs> uh, but anyways, they make great pets. This is a movie about a pet turned bad, mm-hmm. right? And we were thinking to ourselves, well, it's not the only movie ever with a pet turned bad, right? Yeah. So we, uh, our idea is that we're going to talk about... You know, one or two other movies per person. I'm not really... We haven't really decided. I'm just going to see what happens Yeah, we'll here. see what happens mm-hmm. about other killer pet movies. Um, you want, I'll go... You want me to go first? You yeah, go why first? don't you start things off for us? So, uh, this made me think of a movie that I hadn't seen since I was a kid. Okay. Uh, and it's funny that it's... The director of Alligator mm-hmm. went on to direct Cujo. Yeah. And certainly qualifies as a killer pet movie. Definitely. And I felt like that was probably the most obvious one, so I didn't yeah. I didn't want to go with Cujo. But I went with something that is is to Cujo as Alligator is to Jaws. Okay. And it is the movie Man's Best Friend. Lance Henriksen. With right? Lance Henriksen yeah. and Ali Sheedy. Mm-hmm. Um I don't re- I didn't remember much about it, although when I was I rewatched it specifically for this podcast. Oh, is that what you watched the other night? Yeah, I watched it. I finished it last night uh, because I was like, I want to have something that I'm not just kind of vaguely recalling. I want to have it be fresh in the memory. And to see if it's actually worth recommending. It's directed by the director of Child's Play 2. What's that guy's Lithia, name? Lithia or Lithia? I can't remember his name. Okay. Uh, but it has a similar tone to Child's Play 2. Okay. In that it could almost be a kid's movie. I almost remember that from watch. I haven't seen it in yeah. ages. But yeah, that, that checks out. And I, I don't know that I really understood the humor when I was a kid. Okay. In some of the more like frightening moments, like mm. he swallows a cat <laughs> at one point. <laughs> um, but the movie's very funny. Yeah. Especially because it has like... The dog cuts someone's brake lines. <laughs> what? Yeah. It has like acid piss. Oh, wait. it pissed on their brake lines? No, no, no. Oh, Separately, it also thing. has acid piss. So basically, the premise of the movie is similar to Alligator in that um, Ali Sheedy is a, is a reporter who um, <laughs> gets a hot tip from uh, uh, a scientist who works in a, a lab. It's okay. a chemical lab or a drug lab. And they're experimenting on animals. Yeah. And she breaks in with her camera person 
and they free and end up adopting this Rottweiler that is right. genetically modified. They don't realize this at the time. And it is basically a ticking time bomb where if it's not fed, it's like drug or whatever. Uh-huh. It'll go crazy. That's good. That's what you want in a, yeah. in a genetically engineered yeah. animal. And so she brings it home and adopts it as a pet. And then Lance Hendrickson is like the sleazy scientist who's like, right. you know, the owner of, you know, he's the one experimenting on the Rottweiler. And it's fun because the Rottweiler is never truly fully a villain, even though it does murder people. Okay. But it kind of just murders people who like semi-deserve it, except for like one mailman <laughs> the mailman doesn't deserve it he just yeah he just just, just gets know, it for being dogs a mailman. just don't like mailmen <laughs> um, and there's even there's like a villain turn by the guy one of the guys who plays daryl like you know daryl my other brother daryl and my other like from Newhart. no i don't oh, remember oh, okay. Newhart very well uh one of the daryls plays okay. like a an abusive junkyard uh owner that like ali sheedy gives the dog to us at uh. one point anyway all of this to say, the movie's a blast. Okay. Uh, it's really funny, like, watching... Although it is, like, kind of upsetting seeing the dog get, like, hurt and stuff. Sure. It's a Rottweiler. Or, like, a Rottweiler Mastiff mix mm-hmm. or something. It's a huge dog. Okay. Um, but it, I had a ton of fun watching it. And, I like, some of the scenes, like, came back to me as I was watching them. Like, oh, yeah. I remember when he swallows that cat and kills nice. that mailman. Cuts that guy's brake lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> That's truly amazing, the brake line thing. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, I'm just thinking about it now, and I'm realizing it's like, did I just pick just dog stuff? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of killer dog movies. There are. There's so many killer dogs. And I wonder if it's because it's like, that's the truest betrayal. Yes. Because yeah. they are man's, man's best, best friend, friend. Yeah. right? Okay, well, I'll go with my other dog one right off the top. Uh, if there was anything as obvious as Cujo, it is probably... Pet Cemetery. Oh, sure. So I thought I would zig a little bit uh, and 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 shout out the oft-overlooked, but I think pretty fucked up and, if I recall, very scary and very depressing, Pet Cemetery 2. Oh, I've never seen Pet Cemetery 2. You too. haven't? No, I haven't. Oh, man. It's it's like they definitely looked at Pet Cemetery and they were like, the thing that people responded to the most was the despair. Oh, were you the one who sent... No, somebody else uh, tweeted the last frame before credits of Pet Cemetery 2. I showed it to you. You showed it to me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. my tweet, but I sent it yeah, to you. It's so funny. <laughs> it is, it's like this like chubby little kid smiling. And it's in a... Um, in like a circle. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a superimposed... Yeah. Vin- yes, it's a vignette circle. Over like a, an aerial shot of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Really funny yeah, movie. that's Pet Cemetery too. I didn't say it was a good movie. I mm-hmm. said it was an entertaining movie. But uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go for Zowie the dog in Pet Cemetery too. Sure. So similar to Church or Churchill the cat mm-hmm. in the initial Pet Cemetery, it is the it is the uh, the dog the pet that meets an untimely death and prompts the first use of the Pet Cemetery. Right. Right. That plants the seed that exactly people can be buried here yeah, and come the, back. The plot is very, di- very, very, very similar. It's just a different cast of characters with slightly different motivations, but otherwise it's almost identical in, in terms of how it unfolds. Stars Edward Furlong. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Who 
People have lots of criticisms for Edward Furlong. I'll say this. He's a better actor than Dale Midkiff, <laughs> the lead of the original Pet Cemetery. <laughs> that guy is terrible. Yeah, he is. Uh, which is funny because that movie's still dope. If that movie had two better actors in the lead parts, it would be amazing. Yeah. Instead, it's just a good 80s horror movie. But yeah, Pet Cemetery 2, it's dark as fuck. But that dog, Zowie, he's, I think he's, um, he's not a German Shepherd. What is he? He's like a husky. Oh, sure. He fucks some shit up. Um, I wonder if you're going to talk about the next dog. I'm going to try You, If you want to, go ahead, because I'm like racking my brain to come up with a non-dog example. Okay. My other one is also a dog. Well, this isn't one that I even planned for, but okay. you said it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's the, the husky from The Thing. Yeah, that was my other one. That was your yeah. other one? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've talked nonstop about The Thing, although we've never covered it. Uh, it's both probably both of our top you know in my top three favorite movies I yeah mean, I guess that's up there moves for me. around yeah um I say that John Carpenter is probably my favorite director and it that is my I can easily say I think that's his best movie I think so too uh so you've probably seen it if you haven't at one point during the movie the shape-shifting alien takes goes into the body of one of these sled dogs mm. a, hus- a husky and there's a great scene where it enters the pack and all the other huskies are like growling at it and like cowering yeah. away from it. Yeah. And then it ends up slaughtering all of them with these tentacles coming out of his back. It's fucking gnarly. It's so creepy. And yeah, and then their tender shows up. Uh, that that guy, is that Richard Mazur maybe? Is I don't remember his name. Can't remember his name. But anyways, yeah, he shows up and uh, and then he, you know, eats it also. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, so I have one that I'm going to throw out, which is a movie that I've never seen, Mm. but I know it is right up the alley of this category. So I'm going to say it as something where I'm, I am aspiring to watch this movie. Okay. And that is George Romero's Monkey Shines. Oh, I've never seen that one either. I, so the... The box cover at the video store when I was a kid scared, burned into my memory, fucking yeah. shit out of me. Yep, because it's a little symbol clapping monkey. Yep, but it's holding a bloody uh, razor blade yeah. in its hand, and it has a terrifying look on its face. And apparently, the actual movie. So the thing is, I didn't see it when I was a kid because I was too scared of it. And then when I was an adult and I heard about it, I was like, well, now I don't want to watch it because mm. apparently it's like a very slow cerebral. It's like a guy. Uh, who has an accident and is uh, and and loses a lot of his range of motion and, and capability, and so he has this pet helper monkey. Oh, right. That he develops like a an unhealthy huh. relation. The monkey becomes sort of obsessed with him, and then begins to act out against other people who would who would do him wrong. That or cool. just try to get between him and the monkey. I don't know why I've never seen it because I'm a big George Romero fan. Yeah. but I just. It's one of those I've never seen. Maybe I don't we know. should make a movie night out of it. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Um, I have a real brief mention. Sure. Uh, that I don't know if it technically works as a pet, but I thought of Little Shop of Horrors. Sure. With the specifically the one from the 80s. Yeah. With Rick Moranis and Audrey too. Um, that movie's so fun. It's great. It's a great, great movie. And yeah, I mean, that's as close as you can be- get to being a pet. With, yeah. But it has all the plant. same beats and totally, dynamics. Totally. Yeah. Sure. It's like, it start, starts to get out of control and yeah. covering for it. But then, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, my last one is another big one. Um, and uh, it's tricky because, you know, uh, <laughs> the pet himself, maybe not truly the problem, but we got to be honest here. Uh, and I'm going to shout out the franchise instead of just the one movie because I really went back and forth on which one I wanted to talk, which one I really wanted to give the shout out to. So we're going to say uh, Gizmo. The Mogwai. I thought about this from, too. From from the Gremlins films. I watched Gremlins 2 this weekend. It's so fun. I love that movie. It's so goddamn fun. I it's love crazy. It. I mean Yeah. It's not really a horror movie. No. Uh, I think I saw Gremlin No, I know that's not true. I was just say I think I saw Gremlins 2 before I saw Gremlins 1, but that's yeah. that's not true. I saw Gremlins 2 in the theater. I did too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I saw it twice in theaters because I left the first time I was too scared. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> then I saw it again. Then I like went back yeah. and saw it again. It was God. Great. It's just so. I mean, holds up a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, that's one I really want to show my son. Yeah. Like, I think we've tried showing him Gremlins one. Yeah. But I think it was a little too slow to start. Sure. But Gremlins two is so goofy. Gremlins one is also scarier. It is scarier. Yeah. yeah so. And yeah. You, we probably showed it to him too young. He yeah. would be into it now. I think. But there's one part where the gremlins are dancing in, yeah. in the bar. Right. And he, 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 we kind of like... Or wait. when they go to the movie theater. Yeah. 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 And I, I was like fast forwarded to like, see, look, there's stuff. And then uh-huh. that's freaked him out. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the gremlin wearing leg warmers or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is it's like, it is a goofy, crazy over the top movie. I mean, it's like as Joe Dante, as Joe Dante gets probably, uh, which is not an insult to be clear. Um, but... But also, there's like horrific creature effects. Yeah, in in Gremlins too, like yeah. in both of them. When they're melting, it's so fucking it's gross. Graphic, yeah, it really is. But yeah, everybody, if it's been a while since you've watched the Gremlins movies, do yourself a favor, dig back in, and you might learn something about taking care of a pet while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have it. There is our. I would say that's a success. Yeah, that worked out. Um, good stuff. Hey, next week we're going to be talking about a random creature feature movie, and it's the lift. Der lift. Der lift. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if it's still on Shutter. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will be talking about that. We'll be talking about. Uh, I almost said Alien Two, Alligator Two. And we'll be ranking both of these movies. That shouldn't take long. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, should we just do it now? <laughs> yeah. Sight unseen. Uh, it's alligator than alligator. Yeah, too. I think it's probably <laughs> the case, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, the lift. The lift is on Tubi. Okay. Uh, de lift or not? Tubi. Christ's sakes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, if you want to write to us, you can do so uh, at killstreakpod at gmail.com. Jesus. Yep. We're at, <coughs> at killstreakpod on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, please give us a follow, at least mm-hmm. on Instagram, because we have the great Scott Jennings running that. Shout out, he Scott. always does a, a, a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably heard him on last week's episode. Yeah. Charming, intelligent, rakish wit. Handsome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay taste in Halloween movies. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, and, I, and uh, I'll shout it out, as, as we do from time to time, I know for a fact, because I know how many rate and reviews we have on Apple Podcasts, that most of you have not gone to Apple Podcasts and left left us a quick 
rating and review. You traitors. Please do it. Just do it. You only have to do it once. I feel like people listen to this request and they're like, oh, I got to do this all the time. It's like, no, you do it one time. It will take you two minutes. And yeah. It'll be done forever. Uh, that's all we ask. Of and you. it really does help us out. It helps us immensely. Uh, watch Alligator 2, The Mutation. It is on YouTube. We haven't figured out uh, which one to watch, but I'm guessing there aren't quite as many. Yeah, it's probably not going to look great if it's a directed directed yeah. video. Yeah, we'll uh, see. <laughs> we're all gonna we're all in this together. Hopefully, it won't be on Daily Motion where we're interrupted it's, every five minutes by a not, three minute ad. It's on YouTube. <laughs> I'd rather watch something on fucking Pornhub. Than <laughs> and as always, how about cats? I got plenty of cats. I also got a parrot I'd like to get rid of. <laughs>